you uh, have any questions before we get started with the uh, with the, the official program? <laughs> uh, no, not really. Uh, I guess you have some sort of plan for it. So. Mm, uh. Well, no, not really. <laughs> no, I don't, <laughs> I don't really plan anything because then, yeah. yeah, that just gets boring. So instead, what I do is I ask the guests to uh, describe their well their life in a way but you know the sh sort of short version of how they became interested in languages and and how they started learning them and and their progression and, mm -hmm. uh, through the experiences and 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 sort of where they are today and then w once they've told that story then i always find something that we can talk about or you know if everything else fails we'll just talk about uh Scandinavian culture, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's really no, there's no words, you know. This is the Actual Fluency Podcast, helping you become a better language learner by providing motivating weekly inspiration, as well as top tips and tricks from expert guests. And now your host, Chris Broholm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 114 of the Actual Fluency Podcast. If I sound a little bit more robotic in this introduction, don't worry. It's just me using a different microphone. For the actual episode, I am using my normal microphone, which would be okay. Uh, the reason I'm not using it for this bit is because I've lately been having some problems with my microphone, which means that it's probably about to call it quits. It has been like four or five years, uh, so it is to be expected. I've traveled a lot with it, you know, kind of treated it a little bit rough sometimes, uh, packing it in suitcases, taking it all around the world. So. It was to be expected, but I will do some more testing on it and, and see if it if there's a problem that I can fix or if I have to invest in a new microphone, alternatively, a, a new headset that will give you a good audio quality because I noticed that last week's episode was not as good in terms of audio as they used to be. So I'll look into that. Today's episode is a bit of a lost episode that's returning. I originally did this episode almost two months ago with uh, my friend Kelle from Sweden, Kelle Vongsted, and uh, we were talking just before the Polygon gathering in Slovakia, which we both went to and had a great time. And we didn't know when we were recording this episode that we were going to hang out as much as we did at the event. But you know, life has a funny way of uh, ending up that way anyway. So I spent a lot of time with Kelle and my opinion of him has not changed. He's a he's a great guy and, and a really, well, just a overall cool, great guy, very friendly and uh, very warm. And during the gathering, we did a presentation together where we spoke in, I spoke in Danish, he spoke in Swedish, and we had Irina uh, who spoke in Norwegian. So we did a little bit of a primer into the Scandinavian languages, and that was a great success. It's kind of a wacky talk. It was definitely one of the more unusual talks of the program, but the people who could understand one or more languages were really excited. And actually, I got a few people coming up saying that they really enjoyed it anyway, because they... It felt like it, it was a funny way to listen to the different languages in a, in a not so formal setting. But anyway, I just want to mention that, that the episode was recorded quite a while before the gathering. So if we mention the upcoming gathering, that's why you know, you're not listening to some kind of a time travel episode. It's just because it was recorded before. And uh, that's about it. 
And I hope you enjoyed this episode with Kelly, where we talk about discovering language learning as, a, as an adult and Kelly's, ex Kelly's experience, which is, I would say, different from most of the people I have on the show. Uh, a lot of the people I have on the show have sort of been doing language learning for a long time, or they discovered it when they were really young. But there are lots of people out there, myself included, who discovered like independent language learning at, a, at an older age. Like I was, I don't know, 25 or 26 when I heard about the polygon movement for the first time. So what changes then? Like what's different? What do you have to take care of? And, and we talk about general language learning a lot and, and also why these um, polygon events are so cool and so valuable for each person. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know it's been a little while coming, but as I mentioned in the previous episode, whilst the podcast is back and I'll do my best to do a new episode every week because I'm now working full time and I'm in a new country, yada, yada, excuse, 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 uh, there might be a slightly longer gap between each episode, but I'll definitely strive towards getting at least two episodes out a month, uh, hopefully more. If you have any uh, guest suggestions, please send them to me, chris at actualfluency.com. If you want to be on the show, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Like, Just send me an email with like what makes your language learning story valuable to other listeners. Like, What can you share? I, there aren't that many requirements, as you probably know, but I want to make sure that there, we have something to talk about and that we're not just repeating most of the episodes that have been there already. It just sounded like a race car outside my window. Um, anyway, enjoy this episode with Kelly, and I'll see you in the next one. So I guess without further ado, uh, I would just want to officially welcome you to the uh, Actual Fluency Podcast. It's really cool to have you here. And uh, why don't you start by telling the listeners like your story in language learning, how you became interested in them? Well, thank you for having me. It's really, really good. I've been following your podcast for quite a while now, so it's really exciting to be on it as well. <laughs> uh, well, my journey in language learning is really fairly recent, I would say. Um, the whole thing, actually, I've been, I've been interested in some way in languages since I'm a trained graphic designer and I've been working in print design and, and graphic design for a long time. So there's a lot of language there, but in, a, in another way, uh, since uh, that mostly has to do with text and typography and typesetting and stuff like that, which I'm really interested in. Um, really, I've been geeking out about for uh, many years. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so uh, uh, I, I never took any language at school, uh, apart from English, of course, because that's mandatory. But uh, other languages, no. Uh, when I, um, when I was about to enter gymnasium, uh, I was trying to to get Japanese, but they didn't have a course like that. So of course that didn't happen. What made you, uh, just uh, sorry to interrupt, but why, why did you want to learn Japanese? What were you interested in back then? Uh, at that point, I was really into, like the, as I told you, I, I'm a trained graphic designer, so I was really into the, the graphical language of, of Japan with uh, manga style and posters and, and all that ah. really 
bright colored strong letters and and like the the japanese uh, characters were really exotic and i've been i've been sort of falling into this cyberpunk uh, kind of like interest with with the blade runner and stuff like that that sort of old um uh, cyberpunk futuristic sci-fi movies and stuff like that so i was really into that at that point uh, and also i've always been really interested in in comics and, and manga and anime i was looking at i mean trying to get akira which was this uh, anime uh, manga uh, cartoon film that that was really cool and and very popular in the in, in the late 80s and early 90s so yeah i was really into that and also my father uh he's been studying languages all his life and he he had taken a course in japanese in university so he had a book like a, a beginner's book in in japanese so i was i was really kind of well i want to do i, I want to do something that other people don't do so that's why i, I applied for for a Japanese course, but of course, <laughs> I was the only one, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I didn't get that one. Uh, and after that, I sort of focused on on graphic design. So that was my my whole life. But that industry has really changed in a way uh, in the last twenty years. So uh, it, it isn't really what it used to be. A lot of the uh, the graphic design work has more or less uh, but they uh, vanished and doesn't exist anymore. So, mm -hmm. so that also changed my course and I got more into like digital stuff and, and uh, web design programming, uh, like app development, stuff like that. Uh, but I always had this like desire for, for other cultures and, and other, other languages. And I had considered myself fairly, like I, I thought of myself as well. I can kind of decipher other languages, especially like Germanic languages, uh, and a bit from from like Latin languages as well. So I try I, now and then try to get into like news sites in like Der Spiegel or uh, like Bild or stuff like that, and and try to read the news in in German and maybe decipher. I don't know ten. 15% since there is a there is an overlap in vocabulary for between, sure yeah. between like German and, and Swedish German and the Scandinavian languages and also with uh, English as well and I think with English since I had that it's also an overlap with the Latin languages so you kind of you can decipher some from like Italian or Spanish or French maybe uh, but that was that was more like like <laughs> I, I wanted to I wanted to to be able to read the the text, but I had no idea how to how to come about to do that, how how to learn a language outside of school. Uh, so and I, I really didn't think that much about it. It was more like, okay, this is something that is impossible to do. So okay, just live with that, <laughs> right. sort of. Uh, but then I. Uh, I got to know a, a woman that worked as a nurse in in my in the local hospital where I live, and she had been headhunted from Germany. Uh, they employed 
lots of, of German speakers or German people at that hospital for a short period of time, maybe a couple of years or so. So there came a lot of German speakers to, to my town, which is a fairly small town. It's about 30,000 people living here. And if there suddenly shows up maybe 20, 30 Germans at once, it's sort of, you sort of get in contact with them. Mm. You know, it's, it's not, it's, it's fairly, it's a lot of people for a small town. So you kind of get in contact with some of them, I guess. Uh, it's easy to do anyway. <clears throat> so uh, at that point, I, I thought, well, why not? I kind of like Germans, so why, why not try to give it a shot? And I tried to get in contact with uh, my universities around my area and see if they have some sort of fast course, like an intensive course for maybe a few weeks to kind of get into it. But that is not a thing in the university world. <laughs> Everything is really, it takes a year or two years, you know, a few few hours per day, maybe uh, a few hours per week uh, for the actual course. So, and I, I, I didn't like that. I, I wanted to do something like get a quick start to get into it. And it didn't exist. So what I actually ended up doing was brute force myself into the German language. Wow. <laughs> so I had no idea what to do. I, I mean, I was, I, I had no clue. I didn't know anyone who who had done that. Well, actually I've met one person once that did that was for Swedish. Maybe that was maybe 20 years ago, something like that. Uh, a guy actually a fairly, it's a, it's an interesting story. I, um, this was when I was in my teens and, uh, one of the, one of the things that we do in Sweden is fika. Maybe you know about the concept so that is actually having a coffee and, a and, uh, something sweet to it. Then mm -hmm. you sort of sit down and just hang out. Uh, and that is, that is a thing in Sweden. Everybody do that every day, multiple times a day, maybe. And especially when you're young, that's how you hang out with friends <laughs> or that's one of the ways you hang out with friends. So we were kind of a group that that did just that every day at a at a ca cafe uh, in the center so during the the summer we were hanging out there maybe all afternoon uh, and suddenly a guy showed up that was maybe around his 30s so he was maybe 10 10, 15 years older than us. Uh, and he started hanging out with us as well because he didn't do anything during the day. Uh, and he was, he was from Holland. And he had, for some reason, decided to spend this summer in Sweden and in my town, which is, uh, you know, mi middle of Sweden, small town, not very interesting, actually. But, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> still. Uh, so he hang started hanging out with us and uh, it turns out of course he spoke uh dutch and he also spoke english which is kind of normal i guess but uh for most dutch people he also knew german so he spoke german he spoke french uh and he uh, i think he he knew maybe italian or spanish i'm not sure which one what one of the one of the latin languages uh, apart from french and um after maybe six weeks, 
he started speaking Swedish with us. Wow. Out of the blue. <laughs> and I was really amazed by that. Like, how, how did you do that? Well, you know, if you know a few languages, it's fairly easy to, to, uh, to learn a new one, and especially Dutch and, and, and Swedish and German and, and English. It's a big overlap, and it's kind of similar in many ways. And I was like, wow, this man is a genius, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so that was my, my real initial in, in encounter with someone speaking multiple languages. And when I tried to brute force myself into German, I thought about him because he had just been sitting there. He didn't speak with us at maybe the two first weeks or maybe he said a few words in English or he was very observant. He didn't, yeah, he was uh, mostly quiet and just listening. So I was thinking maybe he, he was into something there. So what I did is I found a podcast uh, that had a theme that I was interested in so that I could be able to understand the, the, what they were talking about, even though I didn't understand exactly what they were saying. Right. So I knew the, I knew the, the, uh, yeah, the theme and, and, uh, the podcast I found was bits and so that's a podcast about technical stuff is mostly Apple related, which I was really into at that time. Uh, maybe still is. Uh, so, uh, that podcast is like a normal tech podcast, three, four guys just talking about news and tech and stuff like stuff I already knew about. So the, uh, those, uh, uh, they, they uh, they make one each week and it's about an hour and a half long. So it's a long podcast. So I listened to one episode of that podcast from beginning to end all of it and try to remember. I mean, some words are repeated very free, frequently. So I looked those up and then I listened to another episode and I did the same thing. Uh, and slowly extremely slowly actually <laughs> i started to understand uh more and more and i started to learn a few of the words so i did that that was in the summer i did that uh, and then i found found uh, an evening course uh in another town which actually had a beginner's uh, german course for 10 weeks to two hours each Monday evening. So I took that and that was an hour commute to the other town and an hour back. <laughs> so it took all, all afternoon and all evening <laughs> almost uh, to do that. And that way I got a little bit more explanation about like the grammar and structure of the language and things like that. Uh, but that was, uh, as I said, only 10 weeks. Uh, so after that, I, I kept doing what I had started, listening to that podcast and trying to find uh, YouTube videos with interesting material and looking at that. And maybe sometimes they had subtitles in, in German as well, so I could sort of follow along. Uh, and I tried to, tried to find people that have, have been doing kind of similar things. And... I ran into a guy uh, that had a YouTube channel. He was a German guy, and he 
also uh, learned Swedish. Hmm. Marlon Görnet. I think you met oh, him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a genius. Yeah. So I, I, I found his YouTube channel and uh, started commenting uh, on some of his videos. And we started chatting and getting contact and, and uh, having Skype sessions. So we talked over Skype. And uh, I really got to know the guy. Uh, and he helped me a bit. So we, we just spoke, you know, <laughs> not, not about anything language uh, learning uh, not not he wasn't a he wasn't a teacher he was just a guy I was speaking Swedish and German to hmm. uh, so and then he came to visit me here at that time he was uh, doing a, a tour in South America before that so he was away for maybe half a year or something doing like a, a tour throughout South America and up to to the U.S. Uh, and then he came to my my town, uh, stayed with me for a weekend, and and we really got to know each other. And he convinced me at that time to come to the polyglot gathering in oh. Berlin. So he came to me maybe end of January, beginning of February, something like that. Uh, and this was the second gathering in Berlin. Uh, and he was like, well, of course he's you should come, but I mean, I really didn't consider myself as a, as a absolutely not a polyglot and and maybe a crappy language learner <laughs> at the at the best. <laughs> so, but he convinced me, uh, and I went, and that was really a, a like epiphany, you know, a moment of wow, this is really, this is really a fantastic community with lots of interesting people and. Uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed the experience and, and the friendliness and how people were really, uh, geeking out. And I really, mm. I, I consider myself a real geek, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was, yeah, I like this. I like this community. I like the, uh, like the, the people that are really 100% dedicated in just drilling down and bits and pieces of, of like language stuff uh, and both the people that are really I want to learn all languages all the time yeah <laughs> and those that are really okay I want to master this language then maybe I'll move on to something else and I, I really it, it, yeah it's really what did you enc feel encouraging what did you feel about um I don't, I don't actually remember if that was the gathering we had the first meeting of the Calmo Union or if that was the one after. The one after, I think, yeah. It probably uh, was, we, yeah. Yeah, the first one you and I met and we were introduced by Ellen Joven right. uh, in the lobby. Yeah, Yeah, we said hi. I, I remember yeah. that. I remember definitely remember meeting you there. Uh, but I guess it wasn't until next year that we had the uh, Scandinavian shenanigans. Uh, yeah. For yeah. those who don't know, uh, the Scandinavian... Uh, countries used to be united as kind of a, I guess, a United Kingdom kind of style. Um, so, f as a joke, we called ourselves the the Calmo Union 2015, I guess, 16 maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a, it's kind of funny. But what what did you think about? Uh, because I, I had the similar experience in in the gathering before that. I was just amazed at people. Uh, what did you think about seeing people who were just kind of crushing it, like Marlon? You know, who just speak eight 
10 more languages and just casually switching between them. Uh, what was your initial reaction to that? Uh, I, I still don't understand how someone can, <laughs> can achieve such a high level being such so young i mean that guy is, is barely 20 uh, yeah he speaks amazing danish too by the way just yeah. saying yeah you know he's, he's one of the few people who i mean obviously he I, he learned swedish first so it's not a huge jump but what he gets is his accent is actually very authentic like you can tell he's a foreigner but he comes very close to the way that danish people actually speak whereas everyone else who learned danish sound like I mean, it sounds awful, to be honest. Like, no offense, because it is tough to learn, but it yeah. just sounds awful. It sounds like they're either having some kind of seizure or that they sound completely English, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So, 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 what did you feel? Because I, for me, I was definitely amazed and inspired, and just like I want to try and do something like this. Uh, obviously, not maybe not uh, with full confidence that I could do it, but some people might see that and say well i feel really like you know oh i'm useless i i speak nothing and i can never be marlin or richard or you know whatever but but it didn't, didn't sound like you had that kind of experience no i think um it's it's very easy if you meet someone like that to to really feel like crap you know <laughs> okay i will never achieve this this yeah. is uh, you get a, a bad confidence directly but i think at least for me, it was the other way around. Not that I think, oh, I can do what they can do. But it's more like, well, they're humans too. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, it, it feels like they're some kind of evil mensch. <laughs> uh, but uh, when you when you meet them and you talk to them and you realize that, okay, it's a, it's a lot of work. That's all it is. Uh, right. They are very dedicated and they... they perhaps have a bigger dedication than you do but still it's it's a it's possible to do it uh, and maybe don't feel like you're in a rush uh, that that was at least my initial experience that okay I need to I need to do this all the time to be able to get to a higher level and eventually I will do that. Mm. Uh, maybe it'll take a year, maybe two years, maybe 10 years, I don't know. But eventually I will hopefully get there. Uh, and I am kind of a stubborn guy uh, at the core. So uh, I don't really give up, I think. Not easy. Of course, you get, can get frustrated and, you know, feel really shitty sometimes. And, sure. Uh, but uh, I think when you, when you look at those people, you see that it's actually achievable. Right. It may and that that makes all the difference and it's something that I hop on all the time because like if you don't believe that you can do something, you're just not gonna do it. And that was that that was your experience from from way back because you you just said to yourself, Well, it's impossible to learn a language as an adult or at least a, a an old teen, so why even <laughs> why even worry about it? Why even bother? Yeah. And and once you saw I guess sometimes you also just need to see it in real life. You, if I tell you something is possible, you might hear it, but you might not believe it. But then if you go to the gathering or another conference and you actually see people in person who are completely normal people, quote unquote, you know, as yeah. normal as you can be with this hobby, <laughs> um, just doing it, you realize that it's not about talent or, well, talent plays a part, but it's not about some magical skill that you were born with. It's just 
hard work and, and, and dedication and, and, you know, of course you can hack the process, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be as difficult as, uh, as learning in school or, or something like that, but that initial belief has to, has to come. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and also I think that, uh, when you, when you see these people doing YouTube videos where they speak like, Oh, I speak 12 languages or 17, like Vladimir, for instance, or mm. people like that, it's, of course, you, if you if you ever try to do a, a video, you know that you can rehearse it. You can rehearse it if you and, and just do it like that. But when you uh, and maybe you don't really believe that they have like this high, super high level in all the languages. Sure. You can, of course, you can hear that all oh, their accent is for, it's good, and you know, of course, they speak the language. But when you meet them, actually meet them and see this switching, as you said before. You, you realize that, okay, this is actual. <laughs> this is not something that is rehearsed or made up in some small way. Right. It, it actually happens. People actually do this. And there's a lot of people doing this. I mean, the, the, the guys you find on YouTube, they're the like extroverted people that really like to, to, uh, to do this kind of thing and show themselves doing that. But there's a lot of people that, that don't really have that, uh, like, drive to do that that, that are just doing it for themselves and being kind of anonymous in that way maybe more but, people really because oh yeah i think yeah. that there's a uh, there's a higher tendency to be introverted if your hobby is learning languages and mm -hmm. it's, it sounds a little bit counterintuitive but I, you know i know that speaking a language with with the people who actually speak it is a very uh, good way to learn it and improve it but i think a lot of the learning that especially top polyglots do come from, you know, sitting in their office or in their living room reading the teach yourself or the colloquials or the whatever method is available, you know, sort of independently. Uh, of course, you can get tutoring and stuff like this, but I, I think definitely there's a high tendency to be to be on the introverted side and, and have that as a hobby. And that's also probably why the, the community size is probably um, quite under what it what it could be if everyone if everyone came out because I guess there's some people who are just like oh I don't need to go to some conference for this hobby you know mm. and of course we try to sell it as much as we can all the time because it's just an amazing experience and you make you make instant friends which is also interesting because you can just you understand people who are going to that place like what kind of people would do that. And it's just, I've, I don't think I've met anyone at the conferences where I would say uh, that I didn't, I didn't understand why they were there or, you know, that they were somehow a bad person or something, you know? No, it, no. It's, it's no, great people. I, yeah. And I think it's, it's important to emphasize also that the, the conference or the, the gathering, I never been to the conference actually, but, but the gathering I've been to twice, uh, the main thing about that is meeting people. I think mm -hmm. the the social aspect of it, finding like speaking to people in the lobby, just over a coffee or or over a beer, or just hanging out, meeting people and and sharing like, yeah, you know the whatever it is that is interesting for you and for them, find you find all these common interests also with with a lot of people there. And I think that's the that's the the key thing, that is actually the essence of the of the gathering anyway. That you get to meet people and get to keep in touch afterwards. 
for because sure. I, I have, I have met very many, a lot of people that I that I keep in contact with every week uh, over Skype. Or I have, I have sessions in both Italian and German each week with people I met at the conference uh, or at the gathering, and uh, I, I have like people I, I, I. Uh, use WhatsApp to, to just communicate, to, to, to train, uh, like my writing skills in the language as well. And actually the, the main thing about that is not like having a, a regular language course. It's more like having a, a good, uh, relationship with people. I mean, the, the tandem exchanges I do over Skype, that's not necessarily, a uh, uh, like uh, something where you try to learn the language. It's more like something mm. where where you where you just talk to someone you like. You know, it's a social thing. Yeah, yeah. and it, it and it dispels a also a common myth that I guess we might as well touch on when we're discussing the the, the conferences or gatherings, is that I would say very few people go to the conference to actually practice their language or improve their language in a way. Uh, I think most people who uh, speak a foreign language, let's say other than English at the gathering, they do so because they it, that's part of the whole, you know, they're using the language. Um, I, I certainly don't speak, uh, let's say, I don't speak much other than English at the gatherings, but of course I'll... I'm also not very good at any other language, so that explains why. But um, I wouldn't go to the gathering. Some people might think that the gathering is like a way for language learners to meet up and practice all the languages that they've spoken with each other. And I think that's a misconception because I, I think very few people do that. But of course it does happen and it is part of it that you speak other languages. Uh, I mean, a lot of people insist on it also, but um, it's it's not... It's not like you go through the doors and there's like the German tent and there's like the Italian table and, you know, you have to speak a foreign language. Otherwise, you're going to get kicked out or, you know, uh, without a refund. But sometimes people can imagine this pressure and it's just not there at all. There's no pressure. And if if you don't speak, let's say you put Spanish on your badge, like you have these uh, name tags at, at most conferences and somebody goes up to you and speaks really fast Spanish and you say in English, oh, sorry, man, I, I just started learning it. I didn't understand a word you were saying. I mean, I've never really seen anyone get disappointed about that. You know, no. Like, it, no, it's just like, oh, okay, cool. So why do you want to learn Spanish and blah, blah, blah. It just continues like that. Yeah, um, yeah it's a very friendly environment, I would say, uh, definitely. Uh, and also, when you, uh, I think one interesting thing, at least for me, was that the first gathering I went to, uh, I got to know a few people, and then uh, the second second year I came back, uh, and I was talking to to uh, a woman from from uh, Austria, uh, which I had met the year before, and she was she was like, "Wow, you really." you really did an improvement over the last year in your German. Mm. And that is also something that you by yourself don't really notice. I think right. it, ta it takes a long time before you, before you realize that you actually have been improving because it, it's a slow process, you know, uh, and things like that is also really good for your confidence and for your motivation. I think to, to really see because one year is, it's not that long 
it's it's fairly long but it's not that long mm. so uh, that you can actually have someone really see that you you've made an improvement that's that's really it's it's good for your confidence i think yeah and you can use it as motivation because you can say okay the gathering well we can use it right now the gathering is in like a month from now and you might say well i know this guy and this girl is going to be there and they speak this language and we spoke last year so i better get studying you know and improve it uh now so you have some kind of tangible goal because sometimes that's a lot of people they say oh i want to learn spanish or whatever and they might have a really great reason for speaking spanish but the actual you know use or the learning process might be very random or there's n nothing really to there's no test you know if you're in school you always know you're building towards a test but in real life very few people take the test i know some people who use it to their advantage they say oh, i want to learn spanish and they go immediately to the cervantes institute and they say when is the next a2 test or whatever and then they use that as motivation but in a smaller way i think the gathering can be used or any conference really because you know no matter what language you're learning there's going to be at least somebody there who speaks it like mm -hmm. i think there was only one language I, I there was one year where we they t they had like a, a note on the wall that said like do you speak a rare language let's see if we can find a language that only has one speaker and i think there was only one there was only one person out of let's say 200 who spoke a unique language you yeah. know so <laughs> it's definitely possible to find uh, i guess that guy might have been a little bit disappointed if he came to the event to try and speak this very obscure language but <laughs> but <laughs> if you're learning anything else i'm sure that you can find someone and 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 that can be a useful motivational uh, aspect because i don't know about you but like learning russian in a little town in denmark my town actually has similar uh, number of people at your town um, so it's hard for me to contextualize why I'm learning Russian like I can tell myself all these things I can say oh it would be really nice to speak it would be nice to watch films be nice to go to Russia and actually be able to say something but when you're in your little Scandinavian town and you've never met a Russian speaker in in the town ever and you never heard the language being spoken it's very hard to focus and motivate yourself to sit down with your colloquial Russian or whatever and, and, and keep working at it. But if you think, oh, okay, in a month from now, I'm going to go to the gathering and um, I have lots of Russian-speaking friends. So they're going to, of course, and I actually saying this, I just remember that when I went to Thessaloniki uh, in Greece, the, uh, my friend Alex, who's uh, from Ukraine, went up to me and he started speaking to me in Russian and he said something like, you know, how's the Russian going? And I just completely blanked. Like I couldn't even <laughs> say one sentence, even though I've been studying it for like years and I probably speak decent beginner Russian when, when I'm ready for it, but he just caught me by surprise. So I have this uh, idea in my head that I need to do it better next time. And the gathering is a perfect opportunity for that. Oh yeah, yeah, and also you touched on something really interesting when you when you, you say that uh, you're sitting in your in your small Scandinavian town trying to learn Russian. Actually, when I when I started with with German, that was I don't know if this is the case in in other countries as well, but I would suspect that at least in in Denmark it's fairly similar. Uh, that when I uh, when I like told people. Uh, here that I know friends of mine 
Well, uh, I want to learn German. Their initial reaction was, why? Yeah. <laughs> Are you stupid? Why do you want to learn another language? Because I think for some reason, uh, at least in Sweden, there is a... The attitude is that there actually are only two languages. Mm. There are Swedish and then there are English and everything else is English. <laughs> so if you, there, there is like, it's, it's, I don't know how to explain this, but it's, it's a, a weird attitude that there is no need for anything else. Right. No, it's, uh, it's contentment really. Yeah. It's like saying, you know, you, I guess language learning is a form of self-improvement in a way, but it's kind of that idea when you when you tell people that you want to do something that's out of the ordinary or different, then they they react negatively because it's it's a it's a reflection on what they're not doing. So when you say, "Oh, I'm going to learn German," they're like, "Why?" Because they need to justify for themselves why they're not doing anything interesting you know they might be in their desk jobs or whatever um, <laughs> it doesn't really matter but that's at least my experience is that people have this kind of it's almost like an envy where you know if you say something out of the ordinary and it's also group culture you know in, in, in Scandinavia this is really strong like if you if you even consider doing something that's out of the ordinary like if you're not getting a job you know married by 30 and have a house and kids and dog and Volvo or whatever, um, <laughs> then you're different and you're weird and then you, you, you're not really part of the group. And if you're outside the group, it can be tough. Like it's, yeah, it's yeah. almost like the, you know, the Amish when you, when you make a mistake and you get like get shunned, that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's similar in Scandinavia. I feel like, cause you can really feel like an outsider then. Yeah. 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 Good point. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I find it really, it's, it's. Um, I think it's a pity that, really that people is. have a have a, especially when it comes to la learning languages, that there, the, it's a very narrow mindset, that, and I think also, actually, there are people that are advocating for for just speaking English in Sweden as well, which is just, <laughs> uh, I don't know, <laughs> I get right. speechless when when people like. Uh, it's it's so it's so strange this this mindset that actually exists yeah uh, and i i find it i think it's it's very uh enlightening to actually get to, to be able to consume things that interests you in other languages because there is a there is another approach to stuff not not necessarily just uh news even though that is that is like something that you really can see different perspectives when you, when you uh, get news stories in different in dif from different countries and different languages. But in other ways as well, like poetry, if you're into that, or arts, or uh, literature, and music, there are so much that are uh, th that gets your your perspective broadened broadened mm. when you when you consume things in other languages i think yeah and at least uh, yeah. yeah and i think it's just uh it's kind of it's not a it's it feels like it's a it's a mindset really that you're open to uh foreign cultures you're open to and i feel like just learning a little bit of the language kind of makes me understand foreign culture more even though 
I've never been to the country. I, I haven't really spent any particular time learning about the culture. I just feel like already by learning a bit of the language, I already feel more connected to the culture and I feel much more uh, I feel much more open to it. Whereas if I know nothing, uh, which is the case with many languages here in Denmark, uh, I mean, there aren't that many uh at least not sizable groups, but something like Arabic or, or Turkish or something like that. If if I learned just a little bit of that, I would feel more connected with the with the minorities that live here. But because I haven't, I feel like it's a it's very much us and them. And I think this is kind of the what is creating tensions in the world these days is is the lack of cultural understanding. Because you for instance in your country you have lots of immigrants coming now and, and just came in and there are tensions that are rising because the locals feel like they shouldn't be learning that language of the people who actually came there. But I mean, how awesome would it be if Swedish people started learning a little bit of Arabic or a little bit of, of Somalia, wherever the immigrants are from? Like, how much could that help those tensions and, and bridge the gaps? Yeah, 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 absolutely. <clears throat> But that's a bit of a pipe dream, I guess. I mean, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's maybe too ambitious. But, uh, I mean, we can only change ourselves. Like, um, mm -hmm. I always try to make up quotes. And uh, I don't know how I'm going to get in a quotes book one day. But the, the quote that I have had on my mind for a while now is like, to change the world, you have to change your world. And maybe somebody said that already. I don't know. But yeah. I just feel like if you start as a language learner to take those first steps then your actions are going to kind of they're going to move like rings in the water you know they're going to extend and they're going to reach other people like if for instance that that um dutch guy he mm -hmm. reached you with his language so even though he didn't even try you know he was just there and you kind of it kind of changed your life in a way that you saw somebody do something different yeah oh yeah which oh, yeah. is which is super cool mm. And also, I think uh, one thing that that also happens is that um, when you when you speak the language, uh, you get closer to that that culture as well. So you, um, what I'm trying to say is that it's when you when you as a Swede or, or a Dane or a Scandinavian, we can say uh, speak English, you kind of mentally try to or or you think that you are close to the english speaking world since you understand what they are talking about and you can you can consume the 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 news and you can consume the um, tv shows and films and of course that's a like the the largest producer of of culture uh, in the world but you kind of in your mindset you you say okay we we're, we're alike we have we share something but my experience learning German is that the connection between Sweden and Germany, it's that's so much bigger than between Sweden and England, mm. for instance. The, the culture cra uh, clash is, is between Sweden and the US, for instance. It's, that's a big culture clash. Mm. Uh, I've lived there for, for a few weeks uh, last year and and try to get into the society. And I've been, I've been there a few times, but 
uh, and of course you you get to know the people. I mean, of course they're nice people and and stuff like that. But there's there's a lot in the culture that is is very different from the Scandinavian culture. But when you get to Germany, it's more similar in my experience. Yeah, anyway. for sure. I agree with that. It's like um, it's more reserved in a way. Like you don't, and it's more authentic sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like if people yeah, if- are miserable, they don't smile at you, you know, to, <laughs> you know, they don't have to smile all the time because I guess, I guess we're cynical in a way that we realize, well, life isn't all, you know, fun and games all the time. So there's no need to pretend, you know, no. I don't know if that's the case, but there's definitely no, yeah. a difference. Yeah. And I think also since I've been, I've been learning Italian as well, and I've been, I w- was in Italy just now for for a few weeks uh, in a small town in the south of of Italy and tried tried to get into the society there as well and I I, I also see that there they are of course very different from from the Scandinavian culture but you you kind of you learn uh, you learn so much more when you get there and you meet with the people and speak to them in in their language and try to sort of get into the the culture and you realize stuff that you ha- have no idea of realizing when you when you go there just as a tourist in quotation marks <laughs> like <laughs> uh, just for sun and bath and uh, bathing and, and just the food and wine and all that but if you actually try to that that is what i like about traveling uh, when you try to get into like under the skin of the of the country where you go in and i think learning the language at least a bit it's very important to be able to do that. Right. And what, what kind of changes did you make to learning Italian compared to learning German? Was there any kind of aha moments along the way that where you were thinking back saying, hmm, why did I do that? Do it that way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think try get getting help from people. Uh, getting a tutor, getting getting people to to actually help you uh, getting forward. I think that that's a big change I made. Um, so, so my Italian journey was very different from my, my German journey. Uh, Italian was, uh, also language. I, I mean, a cultural language I've been interested in. Uh, and as a Swedish speaker, the, the sounds in Italian is not very difficult, difficult. And I think in in other Latin languages like uh, Spanish and French and Portuguese, some of the sounds in the language is is very hard. Uh, mm. Like in 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 German, uh, some of the sounds are very hard for me. I, I have a very, I have a hard time with the R's, for instance. That right. that's really hard for me because they don't exist in my dialect of Swedish. So I, I have a hard time pronouncing the R's, especially the R's and also some of the sh sounds like, <laughs> right. And, uh, that it's, it's hard for me. And I, uh, that doesn't really exist in, in, uh, Italian. They, all the sounds are, are, well, there are some sounds that are difficult, but uh, most of them are not. So, so that way, uh, the pronunciation, uh, troubles were minimized for me um, when I chose that that as a language, and I I wanted to have a, a Latin language. Uh, so yeah, Italian was most the one that was most attractive to me. Uh, 
Right. So, so uh, a couple of years ago, two, bit more than two, bit over two years ago, uh, I saw Moses McCormick, uh, the guy that does the YouTube videos where he levels up. Yep. Yeah, you've probably seen those. Uh, oh yeah, he, for sure. Yeah, he posted that. Oh, next year's challenge is Swedish. Uh, so I I got in contact with him and and asked if he wanted to have an exchange so I could tutor him in Swedish and maybe he could help me get into Italian because I know he he uh, he had uh, been learning Italian so yeah sure we do that so we did like an initial phase there and he helped me with getting into to Italian like a beginner level and then he after three months he passed me on to uh, his Italian tutor. Uh, so we started having sessions, and then I met uh, Aravind Dillon uh, in the in the gathering in Berlin, and he uh, he's uh, he's been living in in Italy for a few years, working as a language teacher, and he wanted to learn Swedish as well. So we started getting doing the exchange, and we we still do the exchange once a week. So we have a Skype session each week. And I think that was the big thing. Uh, my my Italian has uh, improved faster uh, than my German did. Like these two years, I've, I've come uh, further uh, in Italian than I did my first two years in, in German. Mm. And that I would say is is thanks to the help from from others. So if you can if you can find someone to do a, an exchange, I think that's really valuable. Uh, and and keep doing that each week, uh, having having someone to talk to and not just do it by yourself. Right. It's, yeah. It's like a motivation. It's another motivational hook also because you're always looking forward to the to the next. Uh, lesson and you want to you want to be better than you were last week so you kind of feel like you have to do some work in between the lessons at least that's what I felt for my for my tutoring so that's another little ninja trick I guess because it's not yeah. it's not just the it's not just what you do in the lessons it's also how it pushes you to do more outside the lessons or you know if it's if it's an exchange uh, outside the exchanges Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And also, I think at least for me, I like to travel. So, so I try to uh, uh, like set up. Okay, I want to go to to Italy in in April for a couple of weeks. So that makes me wanna wanna get to a, a like a, a decent level so I can speak to people when I get there. <laughs> so, so you sort of set up some sort of um, motivational goal or or milestone at least uh, that you can look forward to and something that you can aim towards uh, and i think for, at least for me that's that's a good motivational thing as well uh, of course not everybody ha have the time or money to to travel all the time but if you do uh, that's really a, a good good mo motivational thing to do i think Right, it's similar to the language certificates where you you know mm -hmm. in you know well before you're going, you know that the date is coming, so you need to work harder and, and they say, you know, if you have a something you want to achieve, a deadline is, is almost required because otherwise you just you just you know, the time it takes just keeps extending mm -hmm. and you just you just kinda of slack off a bit and 
you know, like you said earlier, there's a balance because you don't want to, at least I don't think it's realistic for most people to become, you know, Benny Lewis and, and, and do eight hours of language learning a day. I, I don't think that's realistic for almost anyone. Uh, but also you don't want to be too casual because then it, you just, it, it's not that it's, I mean, if that's the only thing you can do, then I think that's, you should do that, of course. But you have to be careful, I think, also of just taking it a little bit too easy because then you you tend to forget what you've already done and you, you kind of have to do everything twice. Um, and I think a, a trip to the country or a tutoring session or even these certificates can really help you stay focused and, and keep going so you don't kind of fade out or you get tempted by 10 other languages or you just <laughs> you know you do five minutes a day you know it's not yeah. I, I say five minutes a day is great uh, but you can't expect to get <laughs> fluent in three months from it <laughs> no no i think i think at least for me anyway if i have the the skype sessions each week so i have an hour hour and a half each week in in german an hour hour and a half in italian each week uh, between those sessions, I try to do that five minutes a day at least. So yeah. you have something each day. And if you use Duolingo or Memrise or, or something like that, that's fine. As long as you get those five minutes or you watch a, a YouTube video or, or listen to a podcast or read a book or whatever. That's, at least you're doing something. In yeah. five minutes, that's more than zero. And so. it's also hard. It's also hard to do only five minutes because when you've got the app and you know mm -hmm. it's giving you all those points and it's like saying you need to review these twenty words and uh, you can see the leaderboard that your friend is like two thousand points ahead of you. You know <laughs> yeah. those five minutes can quickly turn into let's say twenty or or more, mm -hmm. and that's when it starts to really take effect. I feel like because the people. The people who have become incredibly successful in languages really quickly have been people who have spent a lot of time on it. That's, I mean, it's it sounds it sounds almost so simple that it didn't, doesn't have to be said. But it sometimes people expect miracle results with no work. It's almost like fitness, you know. You're like, oh, I want six minute abs or whatever. But mm -hmm. the people who you see in fitness magazines are people who are literally obsessed about fitness. You know, they'll go to the gym every day for hours, but you only see that photo shoot, right? So you don't see the endless gym visits. And I feel like language learning is exactly the same, where you might see someone, and Benny said it really well. He said, you should count the hours in language learning, not the months. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. because people are like, oh, yeah, Benny did uh whatever portuguese in three months and he had a really good level at the end i've been doing it for six months and i can't say a word and it, then you kind of break it down and say well how much time did you spend and they say well I probably did like a couple of hours a week and then you you tell them well benny would do like eight hours a day mm -hmm. like he was really obsessed and so if you want those extraordinary results you really have to be ready to put in extraordinary effort and for me, that's extremely hard, and that's why I'm, uh, you know, kind of a slow learner. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, same, same, that's, for, that's me. Okay. same for me. Yeah, uh, and I think you. I mean, it's not a competition, so no, you should no, do no. something that that really is interesting and fun and enjoyable for you. And if that is uh, five minutes a day, or or getting to to read a book like ten minutes before you go to bed, or whatever it is that that enjoy. 
that that you find enjoyable that's what you should do not not try to see it as a as a uh, tedious uh, labor <laughs> and it gets but... easier to put in a lot of work if you find something that interests you and, oh yeah yeah don't try to read if you don't like reading in your native language you know don't listen to don't try and listen to podcasts if you don't if you've never listened to a podcast before you know well you can try and see if, it, if you're interested but it's more likely that the things that you're already doing will be fascinating and interesting to you in the foreign language also <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and and just do what you normally do, but switch language. That that's at least what I try to do. Right, exactly. Uh, that's a good yeah. tip. Uh, and also, you need you need those one thousand fifteen hundred hours or something like that to get to a decent level where you, where you feel comfortable in, yeah. in the language. I think, and it takes time. That's I mean, a lot of hours. Like uh, yeah. that's the I think it was the was a foreign service institute who put the kind of the estimates around there to get a an intermediate level and i did the math for my school german and i thought yeah i've done thousands of hours in german i'm really good at this and when i added it all up i'd only done about 300 hours in mm -hmm. eight years yeah 300 hours like that's <laughs> nothing that's nothing like if you 24 hours i'd like you know, 10, 10 full days is 240 hours. Yeah, 10 yeah. days. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, it's unrealistic to learn languages 10 days in a row without any pause whatsoever. But considering that I thought I'd been doing it for ages, yeah. my level was really exactly where you'd expect because I tested at B1 mm -hmm. after 300 uh, hours. And for each level, of course, it takes more hours to get to the next level. So... You know, if I spent, let's say, another 300 hours, maybe I'd get to B2. Yeah. <laughs> you see, yeah. it just doubles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's logarithmic in that way. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And that yeah. makes it tough. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's it's really hard to... I think when you, when you get from super beginner to uh, the intermediate level, that's when it gets frustrating because you don't really see your own progression that easy right. at the beginning you oh wow yeah i understand that oh yeah i know those sentences oh okay cool i i learned 20 new words the last two weeks you know yeah <laughs> but, but when you get to intermediate it's it, it really slows down and get from from intermediate to advanced that is wow that people that do that multiple times that is wow i i I yeah. really admire, admire those people. That yeah. that is fantastic work. Yeah, just the time investment to do that is is really huge, and it, like you say, it's going to be a a time of very very minimal improvements. So you're really just hustling in a way. You're just kind of working towards a goal that feels really, you know, you can't really measure it in a way because the the improvements are so small. So. Yeah, I really admire people who do that also. And, and for me, as somebody who started learning a couple of languages in the last couple of years, like Russian and, and Hungarian, it, personally, that's also super interesting to me, how you go from that beginner level into the intermediate and then ultimately into the advanced. Because I think the world is kind of overwhelmed with beginner materials and like how do you start learning a language? But as soon as you get into the intermediate stages, it gets so much harder and, you know, everyone's quit by then. So there's no material out there and it's 
man, it's just a, <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah, yeah, uh, most definitely. For yeah. Sure. But the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is, of course, our little Calma union. And um, of course, I had to uh, plug the fact that we are doing a talk. I guess we can say that, right? That's not secret. No. Um, so we're doing a talk at the Pratislava Polygon Gathering. And if you're listening to this episode in the future, then you can probably find the recording uh, of our talk on, on the YouTube channel. If you just search for, what was the name of it? The Scandinavian Languages or something? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> or maybe we will we will call it Kalmar Union. I don't know. <laughs> it's a good name. I think so too. It's, it's yeah. funny. Um, so I guess, you know, people are listening from all over the world and from all different areas. So they might not understand or have a lot of uh, knowledge about what exactly is Scandinavia and what does it mean in terms of like culture and like um, I, I was thinking we could give them like a, a two minute uh, quick briefing on the like the dynamics, of course, in terms of, of language learning. So you have Danish, uh, Danish, Norwegian and Swedish as kind of the main ones. Uh, and and the, the languages that people learn are usually I think people are much more inclined to learn Swedish uh, rather than Danish. Mm. And the what we're going to talk about at the talk is basically like how do they how are they mutually understood and uh, confused sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but how would how would you explain the, the how the languages are related? At, uh, how do you see it, and and how much of the different languages do you understand? Uh, yeah. Um, so f first of all, uh, we should probably say that Irena Dahl is also. Uh, participating as a representative for for Norwegian, right? So, so there's the three of us. Uh, but in terms of the languages, I mean, historically we all speak Danish because Danish is the the original language of Scandinavia. Um, yes. That that yeah, you're you're the the, the blueprint for the rest of us. Uh, so the oldest uh, like mention of Swedish as a separate language is actually the the old law uh, of the southern of Sweden that is dating back to Viking age. So uh, that was the first time that someone actually considered themselves speaking something else other than Danish uh, in the region. Mm. So, and I mean, that's, that's uh, a thousand years ago. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a while. It's been a while, <laughs> but... Uh, but still, uh, the languages are, are very much mutually intelligible. Uh, I have no problem understanding Danish and, and Norwegian. Um, the big difference, uh, the, the largest differences are between Swedish and Danish today. Uh, the vocabulary differs quite a bit uh, compared to like, Danish and Norwegian, for instance. Uh, which is very similar. Yeah, it's uh, almost the it, same, just with yeah. a different accent, really. Yeah. So, so one way of describing the languages, I think, which is very good in my opinion, is that uh, Norwegian is Danish with a Swedish accent. Right. So, and that that sort of sum, sums up how they are related. <laughs> I think. I agree uh, with that. Uh, so. Mm, but did you have any contact with Danish? Did you do anything? special to understand it because 
I must admit, I really struggle with Swedish. I never put any effort into learning Swedish. I never put any, I never watched any Swedish television. The only Swedish that I got was basically just randomly hearing it somewhere or um, like um, in school, you know, we had a mandatory Swedish uh, class, not a class, but part of Danish mm -hmm. is like uh, a week or two of Swedish and Norwegian just to open your mind to it and i really struggle with swedish um not only because of the vocabulary but also sometimes just the the uh the the pronunciation that the dialect you know it's just it's it's hard for me so did you do anything like did you study a bit of danish did you go there for a period of time or did you watch some danish tv to get tuned to how we speak uh, or or did you just is it just easier for swedish people to understand danish is i guess what i'm saying uh, no, I don't think. That. I think it's equally difficult for for both both uh, both uh, speakers. But yeah, also the same as as you had uh, Swedish and, and Norwegian. We also had Swedish and uh, no, Danish and and uh, Norwegian in the Swedish class. Right. As part of the curricular curriculum, just to sort of get into it, have some some understanding about that. Uh, for me, uh, I I like. Danes, I think Danish people are much cooler than Swedish people. Oh, I like thank the. Thank you. <laughs> you are. Everyone is really. Yeah, they have a, an attitude that I really like, uh, and also the the especially starting with the dogma movement. I think movies and TV series from from Denmark is really that is a, a higher level in quality than than you get in Sweden and in in Norway. Uh, so for the Scandinavian uh, region, I think Denmark is is act the the biggest culture center center, and I, I think that is also true when it comes to design, which is something that, as I told you, I'm I'm really into yeah. with uh, uh, Jakobsen and Louis Paulsen, people like that that are uh, fantastic designers. And, um so i i always had a fascination for for denmark so of course i've been i've been uh, consuming a lot of danish i, I listen to uh, danish radio i have a couple of podcasts in da danish that i listen to each week i i uh, watch a lot of danish tv uh, i try to watch the news in danish instead of instead of swedish um yeah, so I have okay. a lot of exposure to, I see. to Danish, I'd say. That's I interesting say. because, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that explains it, I'd say, because kind of the, the joke sometimes is that foreigners have heard, oh, Norwegian, Swedish, and Danish is so close, they can speak to each other in their own language. But actually what tends to happen, in uh, at least what I've seen, is if a Dane and a Swede meets in the wild, they will actually speak English more often. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that that's really a pity. I, yeah, I, it's it's absolutely not necessary. I think you you could get to a, a pretty good conversational level in Swedish in a in a couple of weeks. That's all you need. Yeah, well, yeah. we talked about doing that, right? You know, I yeah. could, I'll, I'll come visit you, and then you can hammer Swedish into my head for <laughs> for a week or two, and we can see if it's if it's really possible to yeah. learn a language from scratch in just yeah. a week or two. Yeah, I think um, for the Scandinavian languages, I, I'd say that that's that's no problem. Yeah, it won't say uh, that in the it won't say that in the description though. You know, just for clickbait reasons. <laughs> <laughs> but that could be funny. Um, yeah. But it is an interesting 
kind of relationship, I think, because uh, you do feel kind of close to your uh, Scandinavian neighbors for sure. It's it's almost like we're, uh, you know, we're part of the same school of thought. We're definitely similar in the way we think. You know, very reserved and 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 honest, like we said earlier, where we we don't pretend a lot. Like, but it also brings negative aspects. Like, I don't know if people realize that, but if you, for instance. Does the idea, what I really admire about Americans, for instance, is they have a lot of optimism. Like they're sometimes it's like a little bit too much, but mm. I think it's almost always better to be optimistic than pessimistic. Like pessimism doesn't really bring you anything, whereas optimism can always bring you like hope and like a good mood. But mm. I'm I'm very pessimistic, and I think a lot of my fellow countrymen are as well yeah me too you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so so it, it it does bring negative things to it and, and and you have also we talked about this before recording the the idea of or was it during the recording i forget but the idea of contentment that if you try to be something ordinary uh, extraordinary like something out of that other people are not doing then you will immediately get resistance from everyone else because they feel like it's an attack on their uh, like the decisions they made or what they haven't done, and in Dan Danish we have this yandelo thing, which I don't know if you heard about. Yeah, it's the same as Swedish. All oh, right, yeah. great. Yantelagen. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's that's something we share that mentality. I think it's and, bullshit, to be honest. Like, yeah, there's but, but it's very much alive in the. Country. Oh yeah, for sure. I like, and that's I find it sometimes hard to explain. And people in America listening to this are probably going, "What, what the." what are they talking about um but i guess it was like um do you want to just give a 10 second explanation uh well basically it's it, it means that you should not try to believe that you are something right don't 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 consider yourself uh being able <laughs> in a broad sense uh being able to do something uh better than anyone else you're just as crappy as everyone else right it, it, I think it's it's uh, it's very alive in the Scandinavian culture, and I think maybe it has something to do with with like uh, Lutheran uh, mentality as well. Like the the old, well, you should just uh, be a good worker and do your thing and yeah, keep quiet and you know. <laughs> and that's but, also why you don't see a lot of Scandinavian people bragging very much because it's it's not part of their, you know. Americans are much more likely to do that because that's part of their culture. Mm -hmm. And I really admire that, that culture. I must say, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit is really much alive, but I'm not kidding. Like if I, I was, I was in Canada last year and also in, in, in America, if I went to a Starbucks with my laptop, I would not even be noticed because first of all, there'd be like 20 people sitting there with laptops already. But the other reason is just people know, Oh, he's probably doing some internet thing or he's a student, whatever. But mm. if I try to bring a laptop to a cafe in my little town of 30,000 people, they look at me like I am the second, I don't know, alien invasion or something. <laughs> you know, they look at me like, what is this guy doing? And there's kind of the subtext of who does he think he is? Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm like, I'm just trying to or eating out in a restaurant. Could you do you in Sweden? Would somebody go out to eat at a restaurant alone? No. Not not normally. No. no, that rarely rarely happens because you just feel like you're getting in, you're getting invisibly judged by everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas in whereas in foreign countries, I feel like I see that all the time. 
Like yeah. in Hungary, for instance, it was very common to see lots of people eating out alone for lunch or, or dinner, because uh, you know you gotta eat. But in Denmark, it's like, ugh, what? Is, mm-hmm. He's such a sad person, and you you know you just get judged. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think also with the the fika culture in Sweden, uh, where people go out have a coffee, mm-hmm. and 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 if you if you go to a cafe in other countries, people go there have a have a coffee and read the newspaper or something like that, or like have a have a, an iPad or whatever people have these days. Or, uh, <laughs> and that that is not something you you see in Sweden. No. You go out at least two people. Yeah. Probably even more, but at least two. Yeah, right. So there are lots of different cultural things and, 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 and I don't like all of them. In fact, I would probably prefer to be in a in a different environment where uh, some of these things are more acceptable because you, you feel like, uh, well, this is, of course, very personal, but when I started doing work online, even if I was working for someone else and it was kind of a job, my mom still didn't believe in it. She was like, no, that doesn't sound like a job to me. Like, what do you mean you can work from anywhere? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get this incredible resistance from your nearest family members, but it's the it's the programming. It's the internal yendelo in a way, mm-hmm. because I don't know if the, if she's thinking it like uh, overtly that, oh, I have to go to work every day and drive like half an hour to get to work and sit on in an office eight hours, and you can just kind of casually work a couple of hours a day while you travel the world. You know, yeah. it's, it's almost like that's what, but she's obviously not thinking that directly. It's just part of the culture. And I don't know what you think, but I feel like that's it's a shame that we're not encouraging greatness more. I'm not saying that I'm doing anything great, but uh, <laughs> if uh, if I was yeah. encouraged more, maybe I would. Uh, whereas in America, I, but I guess, okay, you get the, there's a downside to that as well, where if you have, if you can fail completely and become homeless because you're, I don't know, your fashion blog didn't work out, then that also kind of sucks. Whereas in yeah. the Scandinavian countries, you have like infinite social welfare and stuff. And Yeah, I, uh, maybe mm-hmm. that is also part of part of that because you're not allowed to fail. Uh, and I think that is something that you are allowed to do in, for instance, in America, uh, that right. it is okay. You're not a complete like, okay, so you failed. Well, just brush yourself off and get up again. You know, mm. uh, that is not something that exists in, in Scandinavian culture. I think you're not allowed to fail. Uh, and therefore, you always take the the easiest path forward. So you do you do what you have to do just to like be in the in the in the middle part of everything. <laughs> right. Like the, the safe path, you know. Do you also think like a lack of real risk is also also means that people don't really take any chances because in denmark if you don't have a job you just get paid by the government and that payment is usually enough to live like not a great life but i mean you can have an apartment you can have food Mm -hmm. on your table you can have an xbox you know uh you can have netflix uh you can have a decent life it's not great but if you live in a scandinavian culture then that will probably be enough so you don't you feel like I, I, I can't really fail. Yeah, 
yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, definitely. And also, you can't really win either. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you're sort of stuck in this middle zone. That's why so they want you, isn't it? Like this contentment in the middle where yeah. if you think that you're better than us, then get, you know, part of our society. So you can't try to change in the world, you know, in a way. So it's actually weird that we even have some Danish companies that have done that. You know, you have uh, Lego and stuff like that, you know, mm -hmm. that that actually managed to <laughs> escape the contentment of a Scandinavian culture and, and, and actually create something amazing and huge. Mm -hmm. uh, but man, is it tough to to live in this country if you if you want to do something other than just get a job and and a you know wife and dog and Volvo or whatever that's usually <laughs> I don't know why yeah. they always go for the Volvo but I guess it's a family car so yeah safe you know yeah exactly oh yeah right it's safety yeah um, so I, I hope that was interesting to people who are not really familiar with the the culture here um, I don't think it's all bad like we do I think. Scandinavia understands really the importance of uh, relationships like uh, you don't make many relationships but they're very deep mm -hmm. like I read a Quora post uh, somebody asked like what are some interesting things about the Danes and there were these foreigners who had come to Denmark as a as an expat so they they, they moved to Denmark and they were surprised why friends would never invite them over like Danish people, why would they never invite them over to, to dinner? And I don't really know personally, because I, I, I never really had my own like house I could invite people over to, so I had never really considered it. Uh, and I also think that maybe I'm a little bit global, uh, what do you call it, globalized in a way. So for me, it probably wouldn't be so weird. But the answer they got from these people was that Danish people consider their kind of friend circle or this their how many friends they can have at one time to be a limited number so they spend almost all their energy on these relationships uh I, again this is good and bad right because you want to include all your friends right but that was the the reason that they stated so they they weren't inviting these people home because they only had sort of capacity to invite a couple of people and uh they they the way they said was well we can't have 20 people over for dinner every time you know we can't afford that and, and stuff i don't know if, how the swedish uh, mentality would be but the point is just that to get to know someone in denmark you need to really get to know them like you don't become instant best friends with people you just met in the pub or like it takes a long time and you need to probably also learn the language to really make friends so but once you're there you know it's it, people really care for each other so that's good yeah, I think it's uh, exactly the same as Sweden as well. Uh, Swedish culture is fair, very similar to that. And also, um, we sort of think about uh, friends in different categories. Mm -hmm. So you have deeper and less deep relationships with people, and you call these groups different things. So in Swedish, you would say vänner. Mm -hmm. that would be friends that is something that you have very few of a lot of people wouldn't consider like if you if you if you would ask someone how how many vänner would you have uh, it's like maybe a couple right at at the most and then you have uh more like an a, a quant, 
acquaintances. No, how do you say that? Acquaintances. Uh, yeah, acquaintances, and that is that is actually the normal stage. Yeah. Where where you you know people, you know them by name, you know where they live, maybe you know where where they work, you know, uh, you maybe meet them at a cafe or maybe in another group environment, or you go to the uh, to the pub with them or something like that. Uh, but you wouldn't invite them home mm. normally. So that's the large group. And then right. you have people that you maybe know the name of and people that you say hello to. So, so that's like the, the, the farthest <laughs> circle, so to speak. So, right. so, so, uh, uh, in, in, if you, if you count all the circles, maybe you get up to a hundred people normally for someone with a, a, like a normal social relationship. Uh, but there's maybe a couple of those that actually are, are deep friends, someone you invite home. Mm. Do you think that's uh, related to the pessimism again or realism maybe where where you consider, well, you, you can't be best friends with tons of people at the same time. It's just not possible. Like you don't have the emotional or the mental uh, capacity to be best friends with 25 people at the same time mm. but yep. may, i don't know how americans would consider this actually i'd be interested to know if you if you're an american listening like how how is that american friend culture where you live and and how do you how do you see this because i my guess is and correct me if i'm wrong is that probably americans consider everyone they meet and, and get to know as their close friend so they probably consider that to be a huge circle um, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah i'd be very interested to know how that is uh, around the world and maybe not just america but i mean that was the biggest uh, kind of difference i could imagine but um but yeah. yeah the scandinavian culture is really interesting and i i'm kind of looking forward to getting a little bit away from it to be honest <laughs> <laughs> that sounds horrible but and I guess one final note on that is is that if you want to get to know Danish people or I guess Swedish people or Norwegian people, you and you want to know them, you want to become really good friends with them. Ninety nine percent of them, I would say, you need to learn that language. Yeah. Because you otherwise you're just going to stay in the acquaintance zone or even mm. further out. Because they will be friendly, they will speak to you in English, they will understand everything you say. You might even have interesting conversations, but before you actually communicate in their language, you're just not going to get, you're not going to become deep friends with them. And it's kind of a problem, but at the same time, you know, that's, that's how it's the also, cookie crumbles. Yeah. And it's also a good motivation to get into Scandinavian <laughs> languages, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all sure. are, very, we are very nice. We're, we're good people to hang out with, I think. Yeah. <laughs> No, I agree with that. And uh, we have lots of reasons for uh, getting to know more about the culture. But I guess what we really have achieved today is we've explained a, a part of the world to people who might not know it and, and kind of, I guess, given a warning because some people come to Denmark and they think that we're all rude or we're all like really uh, disconnected or we're really um, reserved and they kind of take it personally. They think, oh, they didn't like me or something. But no, that's actually just the culture that, you know, you, you, we don't make instant new best friends. Uh, and, and so if you go to Denmark or Norway or Sweden, you know, be prepared to that. You know, it's, 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 it's a different culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
so perfect well, and done. well said <laughs> well, thank you and um other than that i guess people should watch our presentation for other fun stuff yes please come i think it will be a, a good conversation uh in uh, all three languages maybe we'll spar sprinkle in some english as well for people right uh, we'll uh, see yeah yeah. <laughs> you still have to make the presentation. <laughs> yeah, well, it's eighty percent done. Right, we have the core content for sure. Yeah. yeah, but otherwise, the idea is just to introduce people to the different languages and mm. and maybe give some reasons to learn it. Maybe give some reasons to uh, get into the Scandinavian culture and languages because there there's a lot of especially culture. We we talked a lot about you know movies and TV and and all this. There's a lot to get into. Um, right now, the Norwegian show, is it called The Shame or something? Yeah. It, it's really huge. I haven't seen any of it, but people are raving about it. Um, and of course, in Danish, and actually, if you're learning Danish or Swedish, you might find this, the show Bron interesting, which is mm -hmm. uh, The Bridge. Yeah. Uh, do, yeah. you, do you say Bron in Swedish also? Bron. All yeah. right. <laughs> it sounds like point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Yeah, so I guess that's the conclusion. And I really encourage you to, all the listeners, to go to the events as well because that really makes it uh, it makes it real and it's a great way to make some long-lasting friendships and meet some like-minded crazy people who are <laughs> who are also doing this language thing. And do you got the gathering in Slovakia? That's going to be by the time you listen to this, it's going to be a few weeks out. So. You know, if you haven't booked a ticket, you know, what are you waiting for? But otherwise, there's the conference in uh, Iceland, Reykjavik. I don't yep. know. If, are you going to Iceland? Yes, I uh, I will try to go there as well. Uh, I've never been to Iceland, so this is a good opportunity to get there, I think. Uh, and also, it's uh, good in, in time. It's uh, the end of October, I think. Yep. Mm. It's the last weekend of October. Yeah. And uh, so it's going to be a bit chilly, I imagine. Mm -hmm. um, and just as a as a uh, an idea for you and for the listeners, if you look at the map and you see where Reykjavik is uh, in 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 the northern hemisphere, and my town is about the same. Oh height. wow! So I'm I'm up north, way up north. It's chilly in your town, also. Yeah, right now it's spring. <laughs> it's, it's a, <laughs> Actually, today is 15 degrees. So wow. That's, that's good. Global yeah. warming. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm going to also try to make it. I'm not 100% sure, but how do you feel about Icelandic? Do you understand anything if they speak? Uh, some words here and there, maybe 10%, maybe at the most 15%, depending on what they're talking about. If there are old words like uh, house, uh, food, uh, things that are very basic uh, and has been the same for a very long time i understand those also the from what i uh, when i listen to it it sounds like they have the the melody the same melody as swedish right i don't know i don't know if you feel like that but to my ears it sounds a lot like fake swedish <laughs> <laughs> well maybe it is who knows yeah. um but apparently they all speak danish so yeah i should be so that's good i should be good uh but I, I feel like I can, if I look at a, um, an Icelandic text, I feel it feels very familiar, but yeah. I'm not sure how much I understand of it. Probably not that much. 
No, a few words here and there. And I think it's it's more difficult because they don't use any loan words. Right. That that makes it the vocabulary not overlap that much uh, as it does with, for instance, Faroese. That yeah. is more more similar to uh, the other Scandinavian languages when it comes to vocabulary. Right. So so that's that's I think that is easier to to learn for us. Uh, they have weird sounds, though, more <laughs> more similar to English, since it's probably more related uh, geographically to 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 the uh, British Isles. Right. But um, are you so, going to learn any? Are you going to learn any Icelandic ahead of the trip? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a few phrases. Okay. But it's it's really interesting when you when you look at at road signs and and the things like that. It's fairly easy to to uh, understand right when when there are stuff that are like you know very o old not not old in in that sense but but basic words that are not modern that's what i'm trying to say yeah yeah i understand sometimes i i feel like people are i mean i really admire people that uh you know want to do an extra challenge and say oh the gathering or the conference is in this country i'm going to learn the language of that place mm -hmm. to me that doesn't really i i don't that doesn't really interest me that much because it's not my decision to go you know i'm going there but i you know what i'm going to use it for is to me it seems to distract from the languages that i do want to learn i guess if you've learned like 30 languages and you don't have any immediate language plans then learning wherever you're going i guess makes sense but for me it's a bit of a gimmick and i don't yeah. really spend too much time on it i you know it just doesn't really interest me that much no no same for me same for me but, and then of course yeah. the final one is in uh, canada in montreal montreal mm -hmm. and uh i was there last year it was highly highly uh, successful event and really exciting to see what happens this year you know for me the test of a of any event is always going to be the second year because the first year you know you don't really expect anything and if it goes successfully then you know that's great but it's really how can they how can they take what they did the first year and make it as successful the second year and, mm -hmm. and how can they get the people to to show up um but uh, are you going to come to Canada? Uh, I haven't decided yet, but I would really like to do to to go there. I've never never been to Canada. I've been to Seattle, so it's fairly close. But <laughs> close, yeah. I haven't haven't really been to Canada before, so that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it depends. I don't know. Maybe. I hope I can. I hope I can manage to to uh, make time for it. Well, fingers crossed. I, I, I mean, I'm in the in the same boat, you know. I, for me, it's it's time and and also money, of course, because going to across the pond to uh, North America is always going to be way more than going within Europe. And even the Icelandic air flights are quite cheap these days, so that's even yeah. that's not a problem. I guess it's the what whatever ten dollar beers that they have in Reykjavik. <laughs> yeah, people say that Sweden Sweden is a an expensive country but iceland that's uh, that's another game <laughs> yeah i need so. to take out a loan to uh, have lunch there and stuff so <laughs> yeah yeah but anyway i'm looking forward to uh, to uh, seeing you in a couple of weeks time in 
Bratislava and we're going to have an amazing talk on, on Scandinavian languages. If people are more interested in Scandinavian languages, I would highly recommend you check out that talk. Or uh, yeah, just go learn the languages, you know. Once you have once you learn one, the other two are going to be super easy, right? Yep. And uh, we're going to show that one day. That's uh we made the <laughs> we made the announcement now. Uh, I'm going to go to Sweden. I'm not going to cheat or anything and we're just going to see how much I can learn in in a week or two and and see if it's possible. Um that could be funny. We could make a little documentary. Yeah, we should do a vlog about that. Yes, exactly. Oh yeah, I, I, I good job on the daily vlogs. Uh, oh, thank you. If I uh, if I understood Swedish, I would probably get more out of them. But maybe if I'm learning Swedish, maybe that will be my curriculum. You know, just watch uh, <laughs> watch your watch watch your vlogs. <laughs> um, so that'd be cool. And uh, yeah, see you in uh, in in Slovakia. And uh, thank you for coming on and and sharing your story and and uh, wisdom of the Scandinavian Kalmar Union uh, with the listeners and me. Well, thank you for having me. It was really fun, and I really look forward to to meeting you in Bratislava. So, yeah, and come to the talk, people. Come yeah. to the talk. <laughs> or if you're watching this, uh, listening to this in the future, uh, watch it on YouTube, where I'll, I guess I'll put it up. Yeah. Well, perfect. See you. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Actual Fluency Podcast. If you would like to get more out of the podcast, check out the VIP Club by going to actualfluency.com slash VIP.